Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. NBC Sports, Football Morning and American columnist Peter King. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Atlanta sports guys, plural, plural, plural. plural. Is that Max Markovich? Back. Is that Better Max Markovich? How do you say that? Markovic? Nailed it. Maxwell no, Markovic? No. Markovic? Is that you had Max to wait. Markovich? You had to wait until the Hawks season ended and the mm-hmm. Falcons drafted a running back in the top 10 to get me to come back. How, <laughs> how sweet it is. Uh, our pain is also our gain here on the Atlanta Sports Guys on the Chase Thomas Podcast. <clears throat> also here, W Millennial, 99 The Games, Garrett Chapman, also 247 Sports, covering Georgia Tech. Oh, yeah. Their march to three or four wins next year. Um, and there you go. And we also have Joe Milton stuff. Max came back at the right time with Joe Milton, number one, 2024 <laughs> NFL draft. So... He gets to watch that happen in real time. That should be fun. Um, so I was talking. I was talking to a friend the other day about the like very faint possibility that Joe Milton and Tennessee play against Michigan in like the playoff, um, mm-hmm. and just the the internet combusting, the world ceasing to exist, all that good stuff. That'd be the hell of an Outback Bowl, man. Let me tell you. Wow, <laughs> that's a back to back Big Ten champions you're talking about. I know Slow it's down. true. It's true. It's true. Mm. Well, fellas, we mentioned at the top here. There was an NFL draft that happened last night, and there was the Atlanta Hawks that happened last night. There was Tennessee baseball walking off Mississippi State. Once again, the Cardiac Falls and their march back to Omaha in full gear here. Um, but we don't have to we don't have to get in that in that portion of the hour here. But we have to start with B. John Robinson, who ended up going up going number eight to the Atlanta Falcons in round one. Um, it seemed like that was gonna be what was gonna happen. Like we all felt in our heart of hearts, like Max, God bless him, was just like Christian Gonzalez, man. That's uh, he was there for him, and he was he really wanted Christian Gonzalez. He wanted a corner. He wanted he wanted an edge guy. He edge. It just never felt right, and it just once it came out that and what we know about Terry Fontenot to this point, early in the draft, the man loves BPA. He's going BPA early in the draft, 
and that is what he's going to do in round one over and over again because it's not like he does that later on like he'll take his swings on the troy anderson the, the world the project guys that he likes um later on but round one he's like i'm just i'm going bpa and if that means another offensive skill player that we just add to this already loaded running back room that's what we're doing and I I want to get your immediate thoughts here. So you're back, Max. You go first here. Will Bijan turn out to be the right pick at number eight? That's a loaded question. I think a great vibes pick. Um, <laughs> the value, you know, I feel like running back value has been talked about ad nauseum. I do think it's actually a pretty similar feeling to how I felt last year after Drake London, mm. where in a vacuum does it make sense um can you afford that luxury right now uh in a vacuum with just round one i think that that's where it gets dicey but what happened last year is okay they take drake london but the draft's not over uh Mm. they took arnold abichetti they took troy anderson they took d'angelo malone and then they took tyler algier desmond ritter and you you build out a class and then it's like okay it makes a lot more sense to take the impact receiver up there at eight when you can best player available and then supplement that with your needs and Mm. and i think we're gonna see something similar here and so i mean just as like a a fan who's excited to watch this offense like Bijan robinson's awesome if they fail to address edge at all if they fail to address i mean the problem the thing is like there aren't that many immediate needs. Um, what I want them to be doing is to be stacking young talent on the defense to sort of supplement the veterans they brought in, um, as they've sort of done the last two classes. And, and I think they're going to do that. If they don't do that, then we can look back and say, should they have taken a Christian Gonzalez? Should they have taken, a, I don't know, Van Ness? Uh, should they have rolled the dice on Jalen Carter? That's a whole other can of worms. Um But just from, like, an excitement standpoint, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I've been watching highlights the last 24 hours, and uh, he's sick at football, and I think that's an important factor. I mean, like, best running back all time in, what, Ohio, where he's from? Like, Wes shared some uh, crazy just athletic stuff that he's reeling in these crazy catches, and the dude's a supreme athlete, and just we know with this scheme, and, like, we know – I think Garrett, right? Like the best way to look at it, I think if you're the most optimistic Falcons fan is you're like, the dude's going to be awesome. Like there's just no path for Arthur Smith in this offense based on what we saw Tyler Algier do last year that like a super talented do it all back is going to put up bonkers numbers for the next couple of years. And it's going to make Desmond Ritter a guy that you are invested in clearly being the starter this year. It's going to make his life significantly easier, right? Yeah, and I think one of so initially my first reaction to the pick was I mean I was disappointed at first I mean just because I, I saw Jalen Carter on the board obviously you guys know my feelings on Jalen Carter the best defender in the draft to me but um, look I, I think I came to terms with it and I knew that we were gonna ra- I was gonna rationalize this Max I know you mentioned that in the group text a little maybe later in the day yesterday but. Um, I don't view him as a running back anymore. It's, he's just an offensive weapon. It's the mm. same way that I rationalized Kyle Pitts or, or Drake London. I mean, like Cordero Patterson, he's that kind of guy. Uh, it's a guy who can do pretty much anything you need him to do on offense. And he's going to come in. He can catch the ball in space. It's, he's, he can run the football. He's pretty effective in pass pro, but for a rookie, I don't really expect him to be that uh, necessarily right off the bat. But he's a guy who's going to come in and immediately start. Um and he could put up 1,500 yards and 16 touchdowns. He's your Adrian Peterson. He's your Ezekiel Elliott. He's your Saquon Barkley. I mean, he's going to come in, and he's got a positionless scheme with Arthur Smith, a very creative head coach, uh, offensive coordinator, who can put his guys in good position. And I think he's, I mean, a fantastic weapon. And really, I think all of this is, all it comes down to is it's it's kind of a, a Tua Tungabaloa situation down in Miami. Hmm. All right, you've got all the all the weapons you could possibly need. I'd like to see them add another wide receiver, of course, uh, on day two. Um, just because Matt Collins is not really a, a legitimate number two. He's a fine blocker, but he's not really a high-end number two wide receiver. But And you I, lost Zacchaeus, so clearly there's yeah, need, like, is gone. a lot of snaps. So like They're going to draft a, a yeah. wide receiver today. But the thing is, they're, they're putting him in a position where it's like, hey, we're not going to ask you to do a whole lot. You're not going to have to create. It's not like Justin Fields or, or Mac Jones in, in New England, where you really don't know what you have with those guys at this point because mm-hmm. they don't really have uh, 
the weapons or they don't have the, the coordinator or whatever. Uh, you've got the coach. You've got the weapons. Let's see what he can do. And if and if he's not the guy, then at the end of it all, that he's he, we're going to know that, hey, we're going to be in the sweepstakes next year for Caleb Williams or whoever the big uh, blue chip prospect is at quarterback. Uh, but Bijan Robinson, he's going to be a stud. I mean, he's offensively, he's incredibly incredible. But to your question that you asked Max, I think it all comes down to the opportunity cost when we're looking back at this draft. Because he's going to be a stud, barring some ridiculous injury, which, I mean, heaven forbid, but he's going to be a stud. Like, he's mm. if he's a not really a scheme-dependent running back. He's not like Tyler Algier, who, I mean, he came into a, a very friendly system that, that like likes that, that kind of running back. Bijan Robinson can be that guy in pretty much any offense. So he's going to be great. Uh, it's just how good are those other guys going to be, and we won't know for another few years. And, and I think the context is important. Like, if Will Anderson had been on the board there at eight, if Devin Witherspoon had been on the board there at eight, even if Tyree Wilson had been on the board there at eight, like, and I know, Chase, you have your gripes with Tyree Wilson. That's sort of separate. But this draft was was not very good um, in terms mm-hmm. of, like, top-tier blue-chip talent. And so I understand it a whole lot more than sort of reaching for a need in a Lucas Van Ness, you know? like. Mm-hmm take the take the best player here and i think so i listened to arthur smith's and terry fauna's press conference um this morning and there was a lot that was in there and i think um say what you want about the guys they've taken and the roster they built they have a philosophy and offensively especially and they are sticking to that philosophy a lot a lot of coaches talk about positionless this and and that like the falcons are doing it um they are going to run formations with Bijan robinson tyler algier maybe cordero patterson on the field all together they're going to run a ton of two tight end stuff they're going to split kyle pitts out wide they're going to put him in line they're going to put him in the slot like you can put all of these guys anywhere and so i think like I think even if Desmond Ritter is not very good, this offense is going to be good. Um, I do think the success of the team hinges on him, um, but they're they're doing everything they can to make him successful. And so I also think one thing that Arthur Smith said that I thought was pretty important, like just because the offense looked a certain way last year with Marcus Mariota and the the pieces they had does not mean it's going to look that way uh, next year. I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about, oh, they don't really involve the running back in the passing game. It's like, no, they didn't do that last year because of the situation, because of the running backs they had. Like, he adapts to his personnel. And mm-hmm. so, like, they're mm-hmm. going to put B. John Robinson in every – have every opportunity to succeed. They're going to do the same for Kyle Pitts, who I think is going to have a monster year. And I sort of have no hesitation about, like, this is going to be a really good offense. Um, I think it – I think I'd feel a certain way more if they had sort of, like, passed on a blue-chip stud, not named Jalen Carter. Um to take Bijan, but I mean, it's pretty hard to argue that he wasn't the best player sitting there on the clock. Mm. There was also a part of me that was like, if they really like going Bijan there, where I'm like, if you want to just really nuke Falcons Twitter, there was part of me that was like, Jalen's still there anyway, or somebody else. And we saw the Texans do something similar by moving up to three to get their defense and offensive guy. Yeah. If Terry Fontenot wanted to be a, wanted to be a stone cold GM killer. Like you see what the value is for Kyle Pitts around the league early in the first round. You just, you you just see what other teams around uh, who are like, yeah, we're thinking about Dalton Kincaid here, or we're thinking about this guy. And you're like, Kyle Pitts is already a couple years older, been in the league higher upside than every one of these tight ends right here. We kind of need more of an edge guy than Kyle Pitts at this point. We just brought in Bijan Drake London had maybe the best rookie season here of any wide receiver last year like you said you're going to go receiver in day two i think i would have floated it maybe he did maybe that's something that never come out but i would i would have been curious to see like could you get back in the first round by moving kyle pitts and getting one of those edge guys and getting one of those higher value look at this this is i would have explored it like i wouldn't have been mad if he had done something like that and even like move up one spot to get tyree wilson and Kyle Pitts, I don't know. I mean, and uh, Bijan Robinson. Like, if you'd moved up for one of these other edge guys that you really like, and it cost you Kyle Pitts, I would have. I I wouldn't have hated so, it. I know fans would have hated it, but there was I, talk of them. There was. There's been talk today about them trying to get back in at the end of the first. Um, and I feel like that was probably for Nolan Smith. Uh, yeah, I thought so. But would you have hated or, that if it had cost Kyle Pitts? 
Kyle if it had cost Kyle Pitts, yeah, cost Kyle I, Pitts, I probably would have hated that. I'm um, not. After giving a fourth overall that. pick to Kyle Pitts, they're not trading him to get back into the back end of the first round. Well, I also don't know what his later. value is. Like, that's my whole thing is I don't He's know. He's coming what off it. a knee injury. You well, saw yeah. what he did. Recently. If you're going to trade Kyle Pitts, and this is like beyond a different discussion, you're no. not going to do it right now. Uh, you're yeah. not going to do it coming, coming off the season he had with off an injury. Like, it's not happening. Also, I think that they are just as high on Kyle Pitts today as they were in the moment they drafted him. Yeah. I think he's going to have a huge year. This I is sort so. of separate. But I, would, would I have been upset if they got back into the first round to take Nolan Smith at the expense mm. of Kyle Pitts? Yeah, I would have probably been upset mm. about that. I would have been upset about that. Getting back into the first round would have been lovely. I, I mean, I mean, we see that they're creating Athens North in Philadelphia. and <laughs> I mean, having I think Nolan the other Smith name, at 25 or whatever it was, at 30, wherever he went. It's incredible, incredible value there. I think the other name they probably were looking at was Branch, um, mm. who, who I think I think they might make a move on. They were pretty pretty uh, heavy on him in the pre-draft process. He does fit a need. Um, Joey Porter is another one. Can I whisper this? And it's not just because I'm a Tennessee guy, but um, <clears throat> Jalen Hyatt. There's not a player on this roster Hooker. that can do it. I kind of like Hyatt. Cedric Tillman a little bit more than Jalen Hyatt, personally. But it's just kind of, so, I love So is Arthur Smith, probably. Yeah. They're but a big we, body. He's huge. He can go up high point of the ball. Jalen Hyatt's fast. But you kind of already did. have that. I don't know. I just kind of, mm. with Matt Collins, like, that's kind of the point of why yeah, but you, you have a but you have a, a, a type. Arthur Smith has a type. And but everyone should have a burner who can separate deep, and it's just I don't uh, I don't think that's how he sees it though. I don't think mm. Desmond Ritter's the guy you really want. He's not gonna guy. He's not a gunslinger. He's not a guy who's gonna you don't drop have to be back to the pocket. Hooker wasn't a gunslinger, and he was finding Jalen Hyatt whenever think, he needed to. I think yeah. for years, I'm not gonna get <laughs> for a few years now. People have been trying to like shoehorn a like a I'll small, quick slot guy uh into this into this receiving core and mm-hmm. that is just not the arthur smith mo like he doesn't want that like you saw how calvin really fit into this offense it was weird like yeah, it didn't work um even before all the other stuff but no i think if they're taking a receiver today it's it's mingo or it's it's tillman it's one of the big guys um, i would be okay with tillman, but i want i just want some sort of de- I, I would love a speedster i really would like to just add that dimension maybe you get that later oh. Yeah, we don't have it. I think he sees pits. Right I think he sees pits as yeah. kind of that that speed seam deep threat. I mean, that's kind of I don't know. I, uh, I, I think would... he just sees he wants size, size, and more size. And if you're fast, that's even better. Let's focus on Kyle Pitts make playing more than half a football season. Let's let's get there. Um. So what now for round two and round three, uh, Garrett? What do you think ultimately, with based on them going running back in round one, and based on how the draft has fallen? to this point where do you think they go in round two and round three well one one last thing i do want to say about round one specifically is this was a major uh i guess check in the arnold epicady department Mm. like this is them saying hey we believe in this guy we believe he's going to take that next step and be the centerpiece of the of this defense behind or in front of right next to calias campbell and uh bud dupree and lorenzo carter d'angelo malone I, i think they showed him that it was like, hey, we believe in you that you it's time for you to develop and go get it. Um, but moving on to the second round, I mean, I, I think you still have plenty of, of needs that you can address. I mean, your your left guard position is still something that we really need to fix. Uh, I don't know if we're necessarily going to do that today. Um, you have some guys in there. I just don't trust Matt Hennessy. I don't trust Jalen Mayfield. Um, can Justin Schaefer come in and figure some things out after the injury last year? Maybe I just there are some interior offensive linemen who are in in the range right now. Is the kid out of Minnesota? He's really talented. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but uh, look, you can figure out a lot of things. And pass catcher, I think if Mingo, you mentioned Mingo would be a great option. Uh, there are great guys. Caleb Downs is available on the board. Cedric Tillman's a guy we just talked about. Jalen Hyatt. I think if you can get one of those guys today, I think that's a big big success. But I really want to see them go defense, uh, at least in one of these picks. Um, maybe at the high end, just because you have Branch, you have Keely Ringo, you have other guys up there at the top of the board who you, you're not going to find that value later on in this draft. Um, so it's going to be a very exciting day two. This is where you find your starters, and this is when Super Bowls are won. If you hit on these day two picks, this is how you win Super Bowls. CBS Sports has 
Corey Trice from Purdue. Um, they updated it for today based on what happened in round one. They have Corey Trice, who's the corner from Purdue, at 75 for Atlanta. And then they have B.J. Ojolari at 44. Um, so an edge and a corner. I think that'd be fine. What do you I'm, think, I'll Max? Take would, that. You go, would you go corner and edge or focus on defense here? Yeah, I'm not going to shoehorn anything. Like, I don't think if they went into the season with this group of edge guys, like, that'd be a disaster. Um, like, they're going to generate more pass rush than they did mm-hmm. last year. And I think the additions they've already made sort of solidify that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they really believe in Arnold Abiketti, maybe they don't, don't want to take an edge guy today to sort of take snaps from him. I would like to see them take, you know, if they're building like a Saints 2.0 defensive front, um, as their vision, I would like to see them take a sort of bigger defensive end type to learn under Calais Campbell. Um, and maybe that's a, like a Zach Harrison, uh, could be an Ojolari, like someone who's, who's big and athletic, maybe a bit raw, who doesn't need, who can be a rotational guy right away, maybe play a role, um, but really steps in next year after I assume Campbell. Young. Sure, sure. Um, This is where I sort of, like, default to them a little bit. Like, I don't think... There's no position where if they left today without this position, I would be, like, you know, five-alarm fire. And Mm -hmm. I did feel that way about Edge last year uh, with when they took Ebiketti. I would be kind of annoyed if they didn't go corner in any of the first three picks. I would be kind of nervous because you're going way too high on Okuda and Mike. Corner is probably, like, the biggest need defensively um yeah that's where i look but you know like they you know i don't know they have depth there it's not like but it is it is a bet it's a bet on akuda i was gonna say it's depth if akuda and hughes bounce back but if they don't there is i mean they still have offer they still have like yeah Cornell bodies they're still gonna get they are nfl level players i would Mm. i would like the reason i wanted gonzalez um is like I want to see them get a dude, like an absolute dude, mm. to go with Terrell and say like these are our two, and we'll build the depth around that. Um, but like, would I be mad if they went guard instead? No. Would I be mad if they went edge interior? Um, I'd be kind of mad if they went off ball linebacker, I guess. But whatever. Um, I don't think safety's really on the table, but nickel probably is. Um, mm. You know, I'm open-minded here. I I do think it'd be a little weird if they went running back receiver uh, and didn't address trenches or corner at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think they're going to do that. Terry Fano hasn't really done that to this point. I also think that the second receiver in this offense isn't as important as some offenses. Um, Mm -hmm. Just with the way they use tight ends and running backs and Cordero Patterson, however, whatever you want to call him, I just think like... I call they want to make sure they have a dude out there who can block and is competent, but I don't think they're like, you know, in a, in dire need for a second receiver. Think about those Tennessee offenses with AJ Brown. Like they had, I mean, who they have? Like they had they had Corey Davis. Tazi Sharp. Uh, they had you know they had guys who they sort of cycled through there, but it wasn't like they when they Davis. funneled most of their targets through their tight ends and AJ Brown. Yeah. I think that's fair. I I'm just curious. Like Scotty Miller's probably starting in the slot right now if the season started today, and I just I don't know if I feel great about that. I think Scotty Miller in the slot would be fine, but you can go get a slot guy in day three. I mean, starting yeah. slot Bijan Robinson. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, they could do that. Cordero Patterson. I'm not starting in there, but you can move him out. Like that's something that you can do. You could have do, Tyler Algier or Cordero Patterson on the field with Bijan, which is gonna be cool as hell. Like they're, they're gonna, gonna do the San Francisco guys. thing with Debo those, and CMC. Yeah, they're they're definitely gonna run those. Those guys are gonna be on the same time, field. On the that's same. gonna be cool as hell. That's gonna be slap. Awesome. Yeah, I this do wonder office, if they this like. This is gonna be fun. Like, is Cordero Patterson? Yeah, like I think Cordero Patterson is like probably taking most of his snaps outside of the backfield this year. Mm. Like, I, for one of my big takeaways, like I think people have been like kind of like discarding Tyler Algier. Tyler Algier is gonna have a huge role next year. Um, yeah. I don't like I I don't I don't take this to mean anything mm-hmm. else about Tyler Algier. Like he's part of this. Um, and if they're going to give 350 plus carries to their running backs, like he is going to have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And I also love the way Arthur Smith talked about how they both break a lot of tackles and get a lot of yards after contact, but in very different ways. Hmm. Like Tyler Algier is going to run you over. He is a bulldozer. He is a sledgehammer. And Bijan Robinson is like 
just going to elude you, get around you, whatever. And when you have to tackle both of those guys in the course of a game, like we saw the way this, this offense wore defenses down toward the end of games last year. When you have to tackle both of those guys and then like one minute you're getting run over, the next minute you're getting like juked out of your, your shoes, like that's pretty fun. Um, Are we redoing the work done in TJ Dockett days? Is that what's happening here? Jerry's yeah, but it's just upgraded mm-hmm. on both of them. Yeah. Well, hold on. I, I rock my work done jersey quite often. I love work done. I, I love, love work done. done. I think Bijan's going to be better than work done. That's probably yes. true. He should be at number eight. Absolutely. He better be better he than work done. He better be. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, this he needs to be. He needs to come in here and have like a, a Michael Turner level season. Like that's really what we, what we need to be expecting out of him. Maybe not rookie year, but but also just do what Michael Turner did for Matt Ryan. Like, yeah, I don't know what Matt what Ryan saying. looks like without Michael Turner for those first couple of years. Like, Michael Turner set the stage, and he <laughs> he died and gave his body so Matt Ryan could fly years yeah. later in the dirt cutter offense. I, look, this is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, like, mm. for we're going to get into it. The irony is that they're playing in that beautiful, wide-open Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is made for quarterbacks. Mm. They're, <laughs> they're just going to be grounding and pounding the entire time, which I think is just hilarious irony uh i guess but i mean the offense is gonna be a lot of fun it's gonna be slow football games and the defense i think is setting up to play some complimentary football and and that's really one of the reasons why i want to see them draft defense today that's really why i want to see the big onus on the defensive side of the football but just continue to supplement those positions but this is gonna be a good football team and I think it, 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 if Desmond Ritter can be an above-average quarterback, we're looking at in an NFC title, NFC South title, excuse me. They should be the favorite right now. I, that's, I sent that text this morning. The Falcons should be the favorites in the NFC South, and they are not. And they're, they're, they're the third favorite, I think. Are they really? Uh, behind Carolina and New Orleans. I oh, think any silly. of those three teams can win the NFC South next year. That's, I the do Saints, too, but the I, 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 I... The Saints stuff, whatever. The Panthers I stuff, I think, them. is... I don't buy them, and I don't buy a rookie quarterback yeah. coming in and winning the NFC South. I just don't. I think he... I think if the could. Falcons don't win the NFC South, then something went horribly wrong this year. Well, I think we know when it went horribly wrong this Desmond year. Yeah, Desmond would have to go really yeah. Bad. yeah, right. That's the whole thing. Is It's all on him. Like, yeah. and, and not in a way that it's like all the pressure's on him, but it's like he, if he's competent, I think this team can be a very, very good football team. If he's mm-hmm. not... All right, next offseason, the entire thing is like, where do we find our quarterback? And yeah. that gets messy because I don't see an Arthur Smith led team bottoming out, especially no. with this roster. Well, it's not just, I think it's also well, we possible. That, yeah. We also have to be careful because we did say the same thing about like the Indianapolis Colts a few, like, what, two years ago? And then they've been quarterback hunting ever since. And they were just a right. like, perfect roster that's looking for the quarterback. And then the, the Cleveland Browns, the perfect roster that's just looking for the quarterback. I don't right, think which is sort of a fraught situation. position to be in. Yeah, I don't think we're in but that But the Colts situation. never had that, though. Like, I just, I don't... Wait, Colts were really good. Well, no, what I'm saying is they never went the Des route early. They kept cycling right. the no, rivers right. and guys like that. They started with the vets. And that's the and, biggest and, difference, yeah. I think. Yeah, and, and I think, like, we've seen now, there is a veteran market. Like, mm-hmm. this is getting ahead of ourselves, but if Ritter is clearly not the guy, they don't have to be picking one, two, or three to, like, have an answer at quarterback that allows them to compete. Mm-hmm. Like, they there will be veteran options, and so I think... I don't want to see this team bottoming out for Caleb Williams next year. I want to see them try to win the division this year and then figure out the quarterback thing as it goes along. I'm going to lose my shit if they bottom out. If this year, after the last two years of just the most boring, lifeless brand of football... It's not happening. I don't see it happening. This team's going to be good. But I also think you signed Taylor Heineke as the failsafe. You know who is just a gamer for, like, if Dez goes awry and, like, keeps this thing humming and they still somehow win the division... It's because Taylor Heineke finds his way onto the field and the dude just pulls six games out of his ass to win the NFC South. Like, I don't see a path. Like, I think they are going... The Taylor Heineke insurance signing this offseason, they gave him pretty pretty penny. I think it's... Money. Uh, it's real of, like, if Des isn't good, the plan is to win the division and they... Taylor Heineke, even at what he is, rookie Bryce Young, Derek Carr with a bad New Orleans team and then Baker and the mess there in Tampa, like... I think it's still enough to keep this thing humming to a point where they they should make the playoffs, and then you go into next year with a new quarterback and all that kind of stuff. I'm not concerned right. about. It. I think Heineke might no, play. I'm not either. And the thing is, we know even if the quarterback situation sucks, this team is going to run the piss out of the football. Yeah, because we saw it all last year with a mm. worse quarterback and wor- and a worse running back, um, yep. and hopefully you know improvement offensive line maybe even. So it's like the worst case scenario is still like a top 
five rushing attack in the NFL, yeah. and then everything else comes off of that. Is there any concern about like Caleb McGarry regressing or anything like that on the offensive line? I think he's it's, found his his role specifically. Just like yeah. just let me like set that up before I, I let you guys answer. He is a run blocking tackle. That's what he is, and I think that's where he cuts his teeth. But I think one of the biggest issues is that we were asking him to come in and be a pass blocking right tackle, which mm. didn't really fit. But just I don't know. I, I just I, is there any concern for you guys? I'm more concerned I, if Jalen Mayfield's card, like Falcons card, key works. Can he still get in the flowery branch? Is he? He's going to be off the roster. Okay, I don't yeah. think he's that's gonna. more um, of my concern. Yeah. I think I'd be more concerned if they paid him twice what they paid him. You know, like mm. ten million, eleven million a year for a starting right tackle in the NFL is is you know pretty standard. Um, yeah. They're not asking him to be elite. And I don't think, like, yeah, they're probably going to throw the ball more, and they're going to ask him to drop back a little more than they asked Marcus Mariota because they asked Marcus Mariota to basically never, ever drop back. Um, but I don't think, like, they're not going to fundamentally change. They just drafted a running back at eight, right? Like, they're not, yeah. not going to fundamentally change things. And when they lean on defenses in that way, it allows McGarry to play to his strengths. And yeah. so I'm not all that concerned. Um would I be stunned if they took a tackle um, and, and tried to kick him to guard and then maybe, you know, I wouldn't have been stunned if they took um, if they took Skaronsky yesterday. Like, I wouldn't have been st- stunned by I'd it. I'd have been a little bit um, more surprised if they took Skaronsky. Apparently Paris what? was on their board. Who? Yeah, right. There that was that report. It was a little weird. Because Paris is a tackle. Oh, uh, Paris Johnson? Johnson? Yeah. Mm. If he was on the board, they would have taken him, which would have been interesting. Because like, you, you it's push, weird. Because like I think Caleb McGarry would be a better guard. He would, but you just paid him a lot. I mean, you just you paid, paid him one million dollars. Yeah. So we well, got a Fetty still, right? Like he could swing over if it's a disaster, and you go that, and then you address tackle again this off season. I don't know. Also, Joe Williams. Disaster. Do you call no, him? You just drafted a tackle at eight overall. If it's a yeah. disaster, he's your disaster next year too. True. Like you're not drafting a guy at eight overall, and then just saying screw that's why that's why your 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 kyle pitts question is is a little ludicrous to me it's just because you're not drafting a guy at four overall and then you're back to number one and then no but then so, you're not drafting him and then saying i'm gonna trade him for to get back up in the first round three years later or two but like later. See, we saw like basically the same offensive line from the year before improve to like one of the better offensive lines in the nfl yeah. last year with the same personnel like why mm-hmm. was that um, it's because Arthur Smith puts his offenses in position for the offensive line to succeed. Yeah. So, like, in terms of my my worries, our number one worry going into last year was the offensive line. Mm-hmm. We talked about that all the time. That is, it's not among my top five worries right now. I still want to supplement it today mm. or tomorrow. I, I, I think we need to get at least one or two. I think if they linemen. supplement, they don't go tackle. I think they go guard. They go guard. Guess. No, they go interior offensive linemen. Yeah. That's where they go. Um but, but it's like, also, it's like if Jake Matthews got hurt tomorrow, we'd be screwed. I don't know what we do at left tackle. Well, I mean, Effetti would be don't really have left a, tackle. Do we? Who is the swing tackle right now? Isn't it Jermaine Effetti? Right? Is it still him? I think so. Did they resign him? I thought they I did. I, I wasn't sure if they resigned him or not. I, I don't know I don't if know. we have a swing tackle. I thought they resigned him. I could be wrong. But you know I, who I, played tackle yeah. in college? Who? Don't say it. Jaylen if you Mayfield. say Mayfield. Oh my god! <laughs> well, that's the thing. He played more snaps. He got he got roasted. He was not ready to play left guard. He got. I don't know if he's he was, ready to play he, anything. He played more. Oh no, they, that broke him. His career is over. I just I don't until I, I see it on the field. I, think I expect right. him to be over. Mm. But they they came in. He played more games at tackle than in or more games at uh. Wait, what was the thing? He was played more games at guard in the NFL than he did in uh, college. Mm. He didn't play guard at all in college. That's he played one game in guard, at guard in college. That's what I'm saying. And he played, what, 14, 13 in the NFL out of just sheer necessity? What would you rather do, a full season of Armstrong as your starting number one corner or no, starting uh, number one left tackle, Jalen Mayfield? What would you? What would be oh, worse? God. Walk into traffic. <laughs> Bijan Robinson starting left tackle. <laughs> Kyle Pitts, the true unicorn. I'm not kidding. I was so mad, and I, I did not explain to somebody like why I was so annoyed that Armstrong got re-signed. Where I looked at like it, I get those updates, and I'm like, I almost did the Ari from Entourage, just like <laughs> to get the fuck out, but like me just throwing my phone across the room because the amount of times that I would just go back, and I think I showed my wife this of like, look at this quarterback. He's like drooling at uh, Armstrong being back on the field here, and just like he sees him, he sees him, and that like Herbert was killing him. And uh, that's why uh, they're going to draft the corner today. 
That's why. Just I feel bad for him because he was in the since he was his magnum opus, I think. Uh, where yeah. they were just like going deep. They were just like, oh, Armstrong? Because he has to play a bunch of snaps. Because I think everybody was out in that game. And they just torched. Yeah. Torched. And yeah, Joe Burrow was like, amazing. Delightful. What a what a fine Sunday afternoon. Um, In terms of the Hawks, though, we need to hit some Hawks stuff. So they fall at home last night. They The series is over 4-2. Uh, Woj is, tweet, is saying stuff about like this was a great series for Quinn and Trey so clearly he knows something behind the scenes um, because if you watch that series um, interesting take uh, the up and down and just what Trey looked like by and large um, especially with and without DeJounte Murray on the floor but I ask you uh, Max the biggest lesson you learned from this series uh, with the Celtics for the Hawks was what? I think I have a lot more faith in the Quinn Snyder-led Hawks after mm. this series than before. I think with um, either of the last two coaches, this is a sweep mm. quickly. Um, mm. And I think the adjustments he made, you know, I think at least brought some fight back. Like, the, it just sort of like, we got to win this math equation, we're going to shoot a bunch of threes, I think freed up a lot of, of what the offense became. Um I don't feel that differently about Trey than I did before this series, uh, one way or the other. I, I, you know, I did think it was an interesting comment Trey made in the press conference about, you know, Quinn's the future. We're gonna, he's gonna bring a title here. Like, mm-hmm. I think there is real buy-in there. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, we've been begging someone to get real buy-in from Trey right since his career began. So if mm-hmm. that's the case, then that's a great takeaway. The Celtics are way better, um, and that's fine for now. That is what it is, and we can talk about the roster, but. My biggest takeaway is, like, Quinn had 30 games to, to figure anything out, and that's impossible for any coach, but I kind of like the way they adjusted after getting absolutely embarrassed in the first two games. Yeah. What about you, Garrett? Yeah, I mean, no one can figure anything out in 30 games. I mean, you're if you're starting at the beginning of the season, we're in December right now. Like, that's just not enough to really get a full sample size of what an NBA season is. But I think... Max, you said it. I mean, like the biggest thing that I took away from this is that there's buy-in from Trey Young. Um, I was worried about that at first, just because I was like, "Oh, we're in this honeymoon period. He's going to say all the right things." It was the same thing as Nate McMillan, right at first. <clears throat> but we come through this series, and I don't know. It feels different, uh, just because the activity that you saw from Trey Young, not on offense but on defense, was completely different. And you see him with that elevated uh, effort. On defense and and look Trey's never going to be a ball stopper that's just not not his in his DNA but what he can be is he can be like Steph Curry who just throws his arms around and gets a steal every now and then and at least has a pulse you know and and I think Trey Young was never that guy until Quinn Snyder came along and I think the comments that that Max mentioned I I, I, I think I see the buy-in from Trey Young he's saying the mm. right things and I, I see those things and then you have Rayford Young, who's like his dad, coming out and making those comments too. I mean, he's got a lot, for as, as much as we, we kind of smo- uh, scoff at it, it's whatever Rayford Young says, you you know that he has Trey's ear. So it, it means to me that he's bought in, and that's a good thing for Trey because he has never had that, uh, or at least we've never had that from Trey. And look, they were always going to lose this series. This is just, they were completely overmatched. But what we didn't see is what we saw in games one and two. It's it's not what we saw when this team went down to Miami and played in the first round last year, where it was just like a broken basketball team. The Atlanta Hawks had a chance to win on Sunday. They had a, they won uh, against all odds two day, three days ago, and then they should have won probably last night. That They had no reason to, to be in those basketball games. Like The better team was Boston, and then you saw Boston actually put their foot on the gas pedal. I, I think they kind of took their foot off the other day in game five and that's why the Hawks were able to come back and do what they did but uh, last game the game six they had their foot on the pedal the entire game and the Hawks kept pace and if Nate McMillan is the head coach there's no way that that we see that especially from Trey and I think in the second half I think it's just tired legs more than anything he played 44 minutes in game five he mm-hmm. was doing everything in that second half and I think he he just got tired you know and, and that happens in a playoff series but Look, I, we have the buy-in from Trey. I think this summer is going to be very telling. 
I don't know what position, what moves they make. I don't know what moves they can make uh, unless you extend DeJounte Murray or something and free up some space in some other way. I don't, I really don't know. Um, Cause Bogey's going to be on this team. Sadiq Bay is going to be on this team. You have Jalen Johnson. Uh, I hope in Yekka Kongu is extended, but look, rank, rank these guy. guys, rank these guys in order of most likely to least likely to be on the Hawks next year. Uh, John Collins, Clint Capella, and um, DeAndre Hunter. Uh, Clint Capella, one, most likely. Two, DeAndre, three, Collins. Yeah, I actually... I think I'd flip one and two. I think think DeAndre's most likely. uh, They just extended him. And I mean, Trey doesn't even look at Capella and finds him on dunks. Like, I don't know when the last time he's thrown an oop to Capella I think, and has had I to think, look at him. I think like, this they're series, just, they're simpatico. Like, they're but tied I think, there. I think this series made it very clear to Quinn, like, is already better than Capella. Like, Onyeka is ready. Well, Onyeka. I can no, see Onyeka not Yekka being on long term plans. Clint, Clint is not. This was not the series that Clint Capella was going to be an impact player just because yeah. of the, the positionless type of basketball that the Celtics play at center. Yeah. And Nyeka is far better suited to guard a guy like that. And I think that's the number one reason why we saw that. But, but think about the teams you got to go through in the East. Like, yeah, well, now, it, now it's like you I mean, have Milwaukee's to have the same way. Uh, Boston's the same way. And, and only I mean, Philly's, Philly's and B, that's different, but. I, I think you have to have a guy like Anyeka. I think Quinn realizes that. And I think also the low-key, like, my, one of my favorite things about Quinn is how he's just, like, sort of, like, empowered Anyeka to, like, he's drawn up threes for him. Uh, he's it. drawn up threes for him in the playoffs. Like, I think there's something there about, like, we've been dying for someone to get the most out of Anyeka in his career. And, like, I think they've not squandered that so far, but, like, haven't made the most of what he could be. I think Quinn is going to make the most of what he can be. But do I'd you be think... surprised if Clint, Clint's not on this roster, though. I'd be surprised. DeAndre, yeah. I think, is going to be here. I don't think John Collins is going to be. Well, you know what's annoying about DeAndre Hunter? Outside of everything um, <laughs> about DeAndre Hunter? He throws the ball out of bounds. Here's the thing. When he drives, I don't understand. He is so good at it. He can muscle. He can out-muscle dudes bigger than him. He finds a way into the lane, and it looks pretty. Like, he, the shot looks good. He started off really hot last night. And he's doing that, and you see it. Where I'm like, this man should average 8 to 10 free throws a game. There is no excuse. He's really good at it. This is what he should do. That is how you turn this Hawks. Like, that changes the ceiling for the Hawks if he becomes that kind of player. Like, he doesn't have to be Jalen Brown, but come on, man. Like, this is, you see it because he's good at it. And that's what's so annoying about DeAndre is that he has that skill set, and he could be someone who just attacks so much more than he does. And maybe part of it is he's just lulled to sleep by the Trey 40-footers um, in transition that he's just like, oh, I don't know when the next time I'm going to be able to drive inside is going to be. But, like, he's good at it, and I hope the offseason is spent with Quinn being like, look, man, you're really talented. Here are the flashes of what you can do. You just have to believe that you can draw these fouls and that you can get inside when you want to because he can. Like, he's really good in uh, in those driving possessions, and obviously he's a good long defender. I don't know. And then when it comes to like Sadiq, who y'all know how I feel about Sadiq Bay, um, he's the long-term answer at the four. And I think he has to, you have to have a tough conversation with John who still love John Collins and the team loves I him. Love I mean, John. he's the number one culture guy here. And you saw like that reverse layup that he just found a way to sneak in there um, in the first quarter last night. And the team is all on their feet. Like every, he's like the only unanimous, like beloved player on this team, year in year out. So I'm nervous about moving on from him and what the culture looks like in the locker room. Um, but I don't think you can start him anymore. I just think you see in these playoff series, you just can't have Capella and John anymore. Like that, just John's not someone you can have out there. And I think Sadiq just does so much more, especially if you get a full off season of him developing some pick and pop chemistry with Trey and Dejounte. I think you just have to go into the offseason like Sadiq's are our long term four and like we just have to have four. We have to have we have to have shooting there. We just have to. I'm I'm already bummed. I'm at the <clears> bummed <throat> stage of John Collins. This sucks that we have mm. like we have to move on and that's kind of like what it is. Uh, there someone has to move like on Jay- and it he's the number one pick, right? Someone has to move on from this group. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he's most likely to go and I think it's not that close. But I know you don't like Jalen Johnson. And I know no. he was a bit erratic <laughs> in this series. Um, I think Jalen Johnson is the long-term answer of the four. Uh, if we're talking just... long, long-term. Garrett, you're back I at think number he... one. 
<laughs> he's shown some things this season that I think you With just Quinn. can't get from anywhere else. Was it else. the 28% from three? No, it wasn't the 20 was percent from three. It was the it was the rebounds. It was the yeah, energy plays. Look at what it was he did the pushing the ball. Look at what he's, he did. Look at what he did with Quinn. Not let's not look at what he did with Nate McMillan. And, and mm-hmm. most of the time, when he didn't play and wasn't allowed to do anything, and didn't have the ball in his hands at any point whatsoever. No, look mm-hmm. at what he did in the final 30 games with Quinn Snyder, and see what he's going to do with a, a full off season of a competent head coach, a creative head coach. He shot 28% from the corner three this year. 28%. from the corner three. When you have a guy, like when you have perimeter defense, like with Trey Young, where like your, your, your on ball defense, um, your point of attack defense is so bad. Like you need a backline defense of guys who are athletic and can, you know, help and grab rebounds and push the fast break and get open shots. And like, he does all these things that you don't get from anyone, anyone else on the team. Like I, I get it. Um, and, and I love Sadiq Bey too. And, and I think the two of them are going to be a really useful tandem next year. Now, yeah. Before. If you say that Jalen is the 12 minutes a guy off the bench for Sadiq. No, 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 no. Then he's I'm playing, okay with it. He's playing 20 minutes next year. No, absolutely not. Then I'm out. Like, no, I'm uh, no, not doing it. He's Sadiq, literally, Sadiq's numbers, I was looking at it's better than I thought. So we shot 40% from three this postseason. 40%. So that was great. Made his shots. He was killer in Atlanta. Yes. In the games in Atlanta, he was awesome. Seven game sample. He had the, the highest record. plus minus of anyone on the team. Plus 8.2. But he was also egregiously bad in games one and two. Dude, I will ride and die for Sadiq. The offensive rating was 124 really? with Sadiq I'm all aboard on the Sadiq train. Look, I'm all, we're all aboard the Sadiq train. He's Sadiq's the starter. Sadiq it's a non-starter for me. I'm like, wait, everyone's wait, out. Wait, if Sadiq wait, is not wait, starting wait, night one, we had wait. a huge problem. What is the single biggest reason that, that the, the Hawks aren't ready to compete with Boston, a team like Boston? They give up wide open threes because their point of attack defense is terrible. Yeah. Like they give up wide open lamps and they give up wide open threes. I love Sadiq. He's not a very good defender at the point He's of attack. Awful. So He's you're really back on Trey for Lamelo. No, dear God, no, dear God. That's that fixes nothing. <sighs> I'm gonna ruin. No, I'm I'm saying right Sadiq now. has a role. A guy like Jalen has a role, and I'm excited to see what they both do with Quinn Snyder. Mm. Yeah, but you got buy-in from Trey. I want to see what they do with Dejounte Murray though. This can I? I don't can know. I whisper there. I would still trade Trey this offseason. I would still explore. I would still see what the market is. It ain't happening. Because if you trade John Collins. No, he's like, not getting traded this year. He might DeJounte get traded next stuff year. Next summer. So summer dumb. 2024. The DeJounte getting in the refs of face and all that kind of stuff and then getting suspended in an important moment. Trey with some of the stuff he has done to this point where it's like you're putting the leadership council in Trey and DeJounte's hands for the next two. I mean, all right. Quinn, Quinn's the leader. I mean, Quinn's oh. the leader. What is we this? have a leader. Uh, yeah. uh, look at me on the captain now with Quinn Snyder I'm, to clearly, Trey and do, do you hear them talk about him? Like that's great. I, I, I am of I the opinion generally. I can pull some quotes from Trey, I'm sure, and Dejounte talking about pop. no, no, like, no. I, this is different. It. This is different. Oh no, I'm he's generally bald. he's bought in. Max is drink the. <laughs> All you have to do is listen to them talk about the guy. I mean, like I'm generally of the belief that NBA coaches don't really matter in terms mm. of like establishing culture. The way that these, like, maybe it's because they're mostly young. The way they talk about him is different from the way that, that, like, most people talk about their coaches. I haven't heard coaches be talked about like these guys are talked about. Mm. Like, the, the, the way that these guys talk about Quinn Snyder. I don't know. I feel like it's just... He's a great coach. He's... he's Small sample I think size. the fourth coach just for Trey in seven period. years will be the one. I think coach four. <laughs> maybe five. That's he's the also the really best. If it doesn't work in 2024, like if this year, 2023, 2024 season, and we still have a lot of these same issues, I don't think the trade is going to be here in 2025. Mm. I really, I, it'd be a summer, a summer move, but would you would trade for Drew Holiday? Summer. In a second, yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, I would do that in a second. I wonder if Milwaukee, like, because they got to trade something for, out. Trade for Holiday? Yeah. No. Yeah, I would do that. I would do really? that. No questions asked. I would do it. I love I loved Drew Holiday. I think he's... Actually, you put team Drew would be Holiday with DeJounte Murray. Dog. The defense. Oh, my God. That I'd would be fun. Up top. That's such a good... Uh, that would be... That's an identity I can get behind. And Milwaukee needs to shake things up. They need more stuff in their half court because their half court stuff is a disaster. You put Chris Middleton in Trey in the half court with Giannis. I think that'd be fun. I'd explore it. I don't... Need more I shooting, mean, though. It's not happening, but whatever. Look at me. I'm shooting. just going to piss off so many Hawks fans with this. Um, I do feel vindicated from my tweet from like five years ago that Derek White uh, was going to be a better pro than Trey Young. 
That Fox Hawks fans are dunking Derek on me. Derek White is not a better pro than Trey I heard. Dude, I heard this. On, I heard the, the Bill Simmons, like the Bill Simmons podcast, whatever. Where mm-hmm. he's like, "Who would you rather have, Derek White or Trey Young?" Derek White was sitting on the bench in the fourth quarter yesterday. Like hey, that, I, Derek White's been, great. Yeah. Derek White's a great Derek White basketball was also player. Sitting on the bench in Game Five. I mean, like, look, these Trey Young is not sitting on the bench. Trey Young played forty-four Stop minutes it. and dropped thirty-eight. It's over. No, it's not even a plus ten point seven per hundred possessions for Boston this year. Derek White's a good. It's a lot easier to play the secondary guard in Boston than it is to like be a forty percent usage guy. He's not forty six percent. Also, he's shooting forty six percent from three. This play, yeah, catch yeah, he gets shoot. wide open freaking threes. Catch and shoot guy. Al I think I can shoot thirty seven percent from three on the Celtics. Mm. Wow, I don't know. I think mm. it's it's case closed. Case closed here. Trey, Trey for Trey Chase for Derek Thomas, White, who the says anti context no. podcast. No Trey context for... allowed. <laughs> oh man, this is good. I miss doing these. I, I miss the Atlanta sports guys. This is fun. And Garrett's gonna go take a walk after this because oh, I'm good. Um, I'm gonna go. On, I'm going. We got a date night tonight. Me there and Elaine. Go. Oh, we yeah. got going to the uh, what call it? What's that place called? The rotating uh, building. Sundial. No, not Sundial no. one across the street. It's at the Hyatt. Hmm. Never been one. there. Is she is she gonna be pissed when is she gonna be pissed and you leave uh you leave the dinner in, in agony that we took Roshan Johnson in the second <laughs> round? Are you allowed to have your phone? He's like they don't have they don't have TVs there, and I'm like, I got a phone. We're all good. We're all good. I got my Keon White article ready to push. He'd be a fun he'd be a fun He'd be a fun Falcon. I think he'd be a good Falcon, by the way. He's Super high upside, a dude who can learn under Clyde's Campbell. He's he's a little. I'm just always nervous about dudes who refuse to run. Who's like, I'd rather you not know how slow I am. Drake London refused to run. Oh, did he? Did Drake London? Drake London take revisited. There you go. He was hurt. I think he was back in on Yeah, I think it was like a hurt or didn't want to run a four six. No, he no, he got hurt. Like his halfway through his uh his last year at USC. Yeah. He didn't do any I'm, drills. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He didn't do any drills. No, actually, Keon White, no, Keon White's a freak athlete. He's a guy who's just a a vacuum cleaner on the defensive line. I think he'd be a very interesting guy today. So yeah. there you go. We'll see. Garrett Chapman, Max Markovich, always a pleasure. And uh, y'all have yourself a great weekend. And I'll talk to y'all hopefully again next week. Go Braves. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, Mm -hmm. you're um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.